You are right up my street. Oh, you can't make me choose. I go by Toyota. Sponsors T4. Fuck me, Lee Ryan's 13. <laughs> I remember we couldn't remember the word for table. This is your Welcome America, the podcast that explains what the bloody hell Brits are banging on about. In every episode, we translate British pop culture for America. And American pop culture for Britain. You're welcome. welcome. I am Ben. I am Fraser. Fraser Light Razor. We are recording remotely. Naughty girl. We are indeed. Ben, where are you? I'm in Rancho Mirage, which oh, is gorgeous. right beside Palm Springs. I'm here for Thanksgiving, although I did just reveal I'm coming back to LA for a day tomorrow, but that's just logistics. Yeah, I won't, I, I won't see you. I won't talk to you when you're back because that'll kind of break up your trip and it'll be too strange. So we won't, yeah. we won't do that. What's the goss in Rancho Mirage? What's happening? <sighs> right, what's the goss? Last night I had for dinner oysters and shrimp and steak and cocktails at the country club and then i asked for a gin and tonic to go and they gave it to me in like a, a plastic cup branded with the country club name on it we took it back on the golf cart and then we watched four episodes of the crown in a row wow yeah <laughs> you are there with podcast nemesis michael i am that's why if there's any sort of interference or connection problems on this remote recording it's because you know, just the electromagnetic field that comes off him. That's true. Like a lightning yeah. storm. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. Okay. What's going on in LA? How's how's our city? It's very windy. Is it? Dead, it's dead windy. Yeah. Uh, branches are falling down from trees, especially on my street. You know, all those palm trees where there's constantly oh, yeah. just like big old kind of husks of palm trees falling to the ground. There's a few of them happening. I saw a big old branch fall on someone's car earlier as well. I know this isn't a regular episode of like your Welcome America, but yeah, it's funny you say that because I've got people staying in my my house. I'm Airbnb in my house while I'm Airbnbing my house while I'm away. I got a message, a curious message yesterday morning from Stephanie, who's currently staying. Good morning. We love your home. Thanks. By chance, do you have an axe to chop kindling and WD forty, please? Thank you. WD forty. I know. I said. I was like, I don't, but you know, there's a. There's baller hardware nearby. You can go get this stuff. I was like, is the WD-40 for something house-related? And she just replied, no. Thank you. Oh, wow. I wonder what she's loosening (laughs) up with WD-40. Interesting. They are from Colorado, so, you know. Oh, outdoorsy. They've probably got some... Yeah. something outdoorsy to deal with yeah. Uh, well yeah no it's it's very windy here and i went for a very unsatisfactory massage today or massage oh, no. if you want to do the translation yeah i had just a very surly massage therapist who kind of really didn't put me at ease when before i had my massage and then there was this very strange moment where i laid down and he was behind me so like behind my head and i was like okay we're gonna we're gonna start now so i had my eyes closed and just for a really long time, nothing happened. And I thought, and I thought, is he just standing behind me, like making faces at me? It turned out he was putting essential oils into his hand to like waft over my face. But it felt like it felt like time was being wasted on purpose. And I was mm. I was getting. And then at one point, he was doing my back. It was like the lot. I knew we were nearing like the end of it, and he'd done one side of my back like really thoroughly, so much so that I was getting kind of annoyed. I was like, yeah, I get it. You've done that side. And now the other side, I was worried I was going to come out like completely <laughs> sideways, like kind of Quasimodo, but he had actually timed it out. But I just, yeah, I wasn't, it wasn't great. It was a bit That's annoying. annoying. I yeah. hate a bad massage. Oh, like just, it's just like, it wasn't expensive, but it also wasn't cheap. So it was just very irritating. And then yeah. I ruined the whole thing by 
having the massage. So I was kind of relaxed. And then I had to climb a giant hill to get my car, which made me really annoyed. And then I had to drive downtown to the arts district. So any semblance of relaxation has completely left my body. Parking down in the arts district. Nightmare. Oh, Ben, I simply just put my hazards on my car and went and did what I needed to do. And I didn't get a ticket. I got my bib for the turkey trot. Well done. You're going to yeah. run around and chase a turkey. Wow, we're really... This is actually... It's, it's almost like we, we're we not recording just because we haven't <laughs> seen each other for a few days. We're just like, what have you been up to? Shall we get into Drag Race UK episode eight? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So this is Drag Race UK 5 episode 8, Hotline Makeover. Yeah, so straight after the elimination from last week. Because reminder, it was Caramel and... DD. Is yeah, that right? That's correct. Thank you. You know I'm going to struggle with names. Did you listen to the last episode where multiple times in the episode you were <laughs> accusing Dee of having gone home? It's very funny. <laughs> you were like, Dee's not there anymore. I was like, she's right on the screen, my friend. <laughs> she's right there. So I, I'm going to say this right away. I mean, we gotta we got to put it out there, but Cara's lip sync was better than Michael Maruli's. Yeah, I think it was it was a tactical decision based totally. on performance in the show, wasn't it? It wasn't yeah. a well, and who says that? But Dee Dee, Dee Dee, which is weird because I didn't think she was there anymore. <laughs> but in general, they are all very pleased for Kate, which is lovely for Kate's win last week. I was very yeah. pleased with that. I thought there was a great... Yeah, so Dee Dee, you're right. She's the one who says, I'm just going to be honest, just going to say it. I thought Kara was going to win. Fair enough. Someone had to say it. They were all thinking yeah. it. And uh, Tamara does a good interview thing where she's like, oh, Kara, she's like, I can't believe I've got further than Kara. And then she's like, she's going to trash my room. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're housemates. Yeah, she said to go back to their flat and find all her clothes was going to be trashed. <laughs> yeah. I liked when they're all de-dragging, Tamara scares them all with a clack of a fan. <laughs> yeah. That really, it was really fun. And uh, Ginger puts on Tamara's wig. Did you see that? She put on that kind of very long, flowy, blonde. Oh, no. Kind of human hair. And she, and in her like 70s outfit, and she, <laughs> Ginger was like, wow, I look like Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> nice. Were you still attracted to her? <laughs> Yeah. And then we, we get into the set week's episode now. Gotta talk about Graham's outfit on the runway. He's mm. gone a wee bit Matrix. Do you notice that? Yeah, they, they appears to be the the theme for him and Michelle seem to be trading off kind of Matrix looks, don't they? Mm. They never seem to do it in the same week. Yeah. And it's also, Graham normally just normally wears like a fun, a fun color shirt. But this week... It's like some leather pants and some all kinds of different things going on. But anyway, let's and get to the work group. Oh, what? Well, I, was, I, I always like to touch on who the guest judge is at right. the beginning because we get a flash of them. It's uh, the high priestess of the planet, Cruella de Vil, also <laughs> known as Daphne Guinness, the designer. Daphne Guinness, maybe the poshest woman that ever walked this earth. <laughs> I made notes of specific things she said later. She could not be more posh. Yeah. When I looked at her bio, it was like, she is the daughter of an earl. She grew up between Spain, France, and London. I was like, yeah, okay, got it. Uh-huh, got it. <laughs> Which is in the North Sea. Yeah, pretty much. Just bobbing around, <laughs> just dealing with oil. I don't know. Okay, so we're in the workroom, and much to my relief, we only have five people left. So I'm not going to look at my notes. Do I remember all five's names? We've got Ginger, <laughs> Dee Dee, Tamara, Michael, <laughs> Kate. Ding, ding, ding. You got them yeah. all right. Wow. Go. 
It took you eight weeks to remember everyone's names. That's pretty bad. Yeah. I've, I think I've realized that five is the maximum number of names that I can remember. So just top for five. Few, for exactly top five. That's why. So I don't I didn't really make any notes here before Rue came in. What's going on? Uh, Tamara says she can't wait to sink her veneers into another challenge. And then I wanted to talk to you about her veneers. Do you think she went to Turkey? Well, it's funny you should speak of Turkey. We should educate any American listeners. If you're fans of Love Island UK or just anything UK related, maybe, I don't know, like a like a, a Katie Price. There is a thing in the UK where you get your veneers done and you go to Turkey to get them done. And they kind of look like big fake false teeth and they're called turkey teeth. So there we Did go. Did you know that also extends to Canada? Because remember mm-hmm. I sent you remember I sent you that Instagram account where I was perhaps not being the kindest. That plastic surgeon that I sent you that had the face like a monster. Oh my gosh, yes. They're a surgeon in Canada and they did a video saying, here's why you shouldn't go to Turkey to have your hair transplants. <gasps> so I think what? Canadians are also flying to Turkey to do it. That's far. Yeah. Wonder what the flights are from like Toronto to Turkey. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. From Toronto to today. Oh God, I said Toronto. I got I got confused. <laughs> and why shouldn't we go to Turkey to get our hair transplants? His reasons were not great. It was like, it's it's safer to do it here in Canada. It's cheaper because you don't have to fly and get a hotel. I was like, mm, not so sure about that. Yeah. I so when Rue walked in here, they all instead of everyone doing the usual like, ah, they all went, oh hi. <laughs> They've all hey. adopted Tamara's very cash relationship with Rue, where she goes, hi, babe. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Rue's in a, a lovely pussy bow blouse, black and white pussy bow blouse with a, is it an exaggerated shoulder or is that Rue's actual shoulder? Those are some severe <laughs> shoulder pads going on for sure. Really fun. So this week, they are going to be turning switchboard hotline workers into hot drag queens. So when we say switchboard, it is a very specific queer phone number. Switchboard is the UK's oldest LGBT hotline. So they are all going to get paired up in a very elaborate set piece. (laughs) The props department have been like, I don't know, they've been building this all season, haven't they? Yeah, this is a real this is a real brainchild of the uh, the challenge producer and the art department. <laughs> they were like, "Well, should we have some fun with how they pick their partners this time instead of just Rue instead of just Kate randomly assigning them because she won the last challenge?" Kate is this time Kate is tasked to approach a giant kind of <laughs> art department telephone which has the contestants names on it and then numbered 1 to 5 and then like an old timey switchboard Kate has to connect a <laughs> like a random kind of not USB cord but like a headphone cord <laughs> uh, from someone's name to a random number which then correlated to footage shot <laughs> before the fact of the five makeover contestants sitting at the judge's desk behind five different phones numbered one to five. In darkness. In darkness. Now that didn't make any sense what I just said, but essentially what happens is Kate randomly pairs everyone up with their partner by doing kind of a random number selection one to five. So let's go through the pairings. She's also wearing, do you see she's wearing like a headset? She does this, like a pink (laughs) headset. Okay, so pairing up, we have Dee Dee and Jamie from the, the hotline. Jamie's hot. Jamie is hot from the hotline. Yeah. Rue gets to do a really good everybody's talking about Jamie joke. Yeah. 
Do you think Jamie's been to Turkey? He does have good teeth. I noticed yeah. later, I was like, he's got good teeth. Good old Nasher's on him. Yeah. <laughs> like Nasher the dog. Okay, then we've got Ginger and Rodrigo. Rodrigo is bearded chap from Brazil. He's very cute. Yeah. And next we have Michael Maruli. Now, it's worth noting here that Kate makes an N-dubs joke, which uh, Rue doesn't laugh at. <laughs> uh, he said, Kate says, to pay homage to the great uh, N-dubs, number one. And picks number one randomly for Michael. And Michael gets Peter, who is a sweet older man who comes in and says, he says, oh, you got the DILF of the group. And he's a retired builder. A retired builder. Then Tamara gets somebody called... <laughs> a, a beloved name on this podcast is Gemma. <laughs> Hiya, Gemma. <laughs> I, I threw my head back and cackled like an old witch when it was revealed <laughs> that her name was Gemma. <laughs> She's a, a criminology graduate called Gemma. <laughs> At this point, I wrote, this is a bit of an easy one for Tamara because Gemma's just this beautiful woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tricky one. And then we finally get Kate and Zan. Zan doesn't get a bio. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't need a bio. Zan's like a, a gorgeous kind of like 70s Portland lives in London meets Natasha Leone meets kind yeah. of cool. All of those things kind of mixed together. She's very cool. Yeah, She's American. A real, a real ethereal creature. Okay, yeah. so they all start prepping away. First of all, of course, there's some chat about Rodrigo's beard. Ginger's like, oh, we're going to have to talk about the beard. Is it coming off? It's coming. The beard's going to come off. Yeah, they, they do a bit of jiggery-pokery with the editing about the beard because Ginger asks and we never hear an answer. And clearly the answer was, yeah, of course I'll, I'll shave it off. Yeah. But Rodrigo reveals that he wrote a dissertation on two previous Drag Race contestants. And I just wrote, huh? <laughs> For what also, university, what course, which which contestants? And what was the name of the dissertation? Need to know those contestants. Dee Dee and Jamie, I've realized, they kind of talk the same. Yes, definitely. I just wanted to say about Ginger, they're talking about names for Rodrigo. Don't you think, because of the whole shaving the beard thing, he should have been called Harry Johnson? Because that literally means hairy penis. Because, you know, Johnson is a slang term for penis. That's why she's called Ginger Johnson. Ginger oh, really? Penis. Is that why yeah. she's called Ginger Johnson? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's like, Harry Johnson would be a really funny name. Yeah. Or Hairless Johnson. Yeah. After getting rid of the beard. Gemma says that she's just happy to get to get it all out. And she means her body because Tamara's all like, oh yeah, get your like legs and your everything out. That's what Tamara's all about. And Gemma's like, yeah, I'll get it all out. <laughs> Easy. Tamara, sa- Tamara says, when you look at me, you think that absolute slag. <laughs> There's a, a moment of of doom and gloom for Dee Dee because she says, I'm going to do family resemblance, but in a different kind of way. I was like, <laughs> I was like goodbye, Dee Dee. <laughs> goodbye now. Because <laughs> if we know one thing about Drag Race, or I know from the, the canon over the years, is that if they don't have a reason to get rid of someone during the makeover challenge, they will absolutely come up with some kind of nonsense to do with family resemblance, even if they do look exactly the same, just in different right. outfits. Whereas if someone had done really badly, Dee Dee would have got like the top prize of the night. Anyway, I've got a full, I'm going to do my Rodrigo dissertation on uh, family resemblance at the end of this episode. So don't right. you worry. All right. Imagine you and Laura doing this together. I mean, you are actual family. So, but still imagine what would you both wear? I mean, I wouldn't have any control over any of that, would I? <laughs> What would Laura choose for the two of you? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not going to be in the driving seat of that pairing. Would you do it with your dad? Yes. And I bet my dad would get really into it. 
Yeah. You could do like a really fun like tartan look in the family oh, that's tartan. Fun. Like yes, some tartan the dresses. And- yes, do the Anderson tartan. Maybe as yeah. a homage to him, we'd both be golfers. Maybe be sexy golfers yeah. in Anderson tartan. This is such a side tangent already. I watched the Bond movie, The World Is Not Enough. That's yeah. the Denise Richards, Piers Brosnan one with the pipe, the oil pipeline. But Love there is, that it's one. really there's a really specific sequence in it that I I just thinking of you. So there's a bit where they are at like, you know, like Q branch where they're looking at like the gadgets. And for some reason, oh, because MI5 gets blown up at the beginning. So they're so, all of a sudden they're in this like old Scottish castle as their base for some reason. Yeah, my, my house. Yeah. And there's a really good bit where Bond goes in to see like the gadgets from Q. And one of the gadgets is someone is playing the bagpipes he's like walking along playing the bagpipes and bond's like looking at him then he just turns around and the bagpipes are a machine gun and it just made me laugh so much that the thought that q had got a bagpipe gun but had never had the chance to test it out because clearly you could never test a bagpipe gun in london he's like well now we're in scotland it's time to test out the bagpipe gun it just really made me laugh i was was like what what is is this for just a specific scottish only mission where bond is going to go undercover as a bagpipe player (laughs) I also love the writer that like, imagine if that was like your one contribution to that whole movie. Well, I came up with the bagpipe gun. Honestly, it's one of the only things I can remember from watching that movie. I remember Denise Richards and I remember that. We build up to the clear star of this episode and it's Peter. So Michael Marulli and Peter, Peter is so lovely. He's like older and he talks about how growing up he tried to suppress his femininity and like appear masculine in quotation marks. And then they both talk about Michael's, I'm so happy those two are paired together. And Michael talks about the fact that, well, like they're both the same age. So it actually works out well because, you know, Peter's in his 60s and Michael's also in his 60s. Oh, what? This is a really sweet side of Michael that they're showing. I actually think that I was saying this last week that Michael's really supportive of the other queens. And this is just kind of like a more of an extension of Michael showing his kind side. And he's just, you can feel that he's more mature and more interested I'm sure they all ask questions of their people, but obviously they're the one, it seems like he's the one asking the right questions as well. Yeah. And then we, we got kind of a, uh, just a random shot of Peter putting on a wig and doing some hair flips. Mm-hmm. And actually uh, I did laugh that Kate is talking about the look that she wants to do with Zan. And she describes it as a generic musical teen girl gang for legal reasons. Yeah. I know she does it later with Rue, but she said it just, just before. But anyway, should we go into the, the Rue, the, the walk room work through? You do it. You start it. <laughs> so first up is Rodrigo and Ginger. Um, Ginger says it's her first time putting someone in drag. And there's a, some great bants about what's underneath his beard. We don't want to hear this banter. It's not interesting. And then Ginger says she's going to do kind of a 1960s Carnaby Street look. Carnaby Street fashion girls. How did you feel about the phrase Carnaby Street fashion girls? London's fashionable carnaby street was that what mm-hmm. we ended up calling it when we were London's... coming up with all those <laughs> descriptors yeah was it no or was it london swinging carnaby street and then it was london sexy soho yes that's right <laughs> <laughs> i still can't go over london's colorful brixton yeah that one's really tough <laughs> okay so that's ginger and rodrigo next we have kate and zan zan reveals we get we get a bit bio here Mm. she was homeless at 17 and so she was estranged from her family and then her chosen family were the ones who helped her survive so that's super important and that's going to play a part of their story and she was it's because of her sexuality not just in general 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just so open to everyone's sexuality. I didn't even see it. Naughty girl. So Dee Dee and Jamie are next. And Dee Oh, wait, says, wait, 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 wait. Before they leave, though, because they're going to do the, the untitled girl group from the untitled uh, high school movie. Just oh, yeah. as they're leaving, Kate whispers to uh, Rue, Rizzo's PG, pass it on. Yeah. As in Rizzo's <laughs> pregnant, pass yeah. it on. Great. Rue loved that, didn't she? She was just like, oh, she's like, you get me. I felt like Rue literally in that moment was about to be like, you really do get me, Kate. <laughs> yeah, so next up is Dee Dee and Jamie. Uh, Dee Dee's going to do a head-to-toe transformation on on Jamie. And Dee Dee made both of the dresses that, that uh, she wants them to be dressed in, so she's really excited about that. And then Rue asks if it's going to be a meaty tuck. Yeah, I gotta say, this conversation made me quite uncomfortable because yeah. clearly jamie is a very attractive guy let's just think about this objectively i don't want to be like i don't want to be like the pc police over here i don't want to be like woke but essentially Rue's at work and he's questioning an attractive man about his penis yeah it's kind of a bit uncomfortable what do you think yeah i mean the whole the whole thing of like dd saying that jamie's hot as well it's like we need to just say it once and just move on okay like we're we're done with it yeah and then dd says a great term this challenge is right up my alley which is weird because right up my alley is more american whereas the uk is more right up my street that makes sense for dd she loves the usa naughty girl she does next up we've got michael and peter and i've just written peter's wonderful so happy he's with Michael. And Peter talks about how early he tried on a wig and immediately did a hair flip. And then they talk about Peter's name that they've come up with, Giza Minuli, and how actually it has like a special place because he bought Liza with a Z on cassette and with <laughs> lip sync in his bedroom uh, and kind of learnt the whole, the whole album. So it was very special. Nice. Michael was very touched by that. That was really nice. Finally, we have Tamara and Gemma. Hi, Gemma. <laughs> Gemma is four foot eleven, yeah. And the Tamara's put them both in very heavy wigs, and Rue's a bit like, "Oh, is that a good idea? Those are heavier than my wigs." And it just cuts to Tamara and her professional shouting, "Help!" <laughs> I thought Tamara was a little more restrained this week. She didn't go full Samara. There wasn't a moment where she actually like went out of focus because she was so close to the camera or left like the light. She was actually she stayed behind the line. I feel like a little more controlled this week. Um, so that's the end of the the, the walkroom work through, as, as oh, we like to call it. Although Tamara and Gemma do reveal that they're going to be called Tamara T and Giant G and Rue just loses it. Tiny, tiny T and Giant G, right? Yeah. Is what they end up with. It's, yeah. Yeah. Rue, Tamara could like spit in Rue's face and she'd think it was funny. She loves her so much. Then we get the the obligatory moment that happens with any Drag Race franchise when there's a makeover challenge. There's like the, someone's tucking. And uh, Rodrigo's standing behind a kind of a, what do you call those things? Those things that you get changed behind, like a privacy screen. Oh, a screen. Yeah. Yeah. Screen. So Rodrigo's standing behind one of them so you can just see his head. And Ginger's trying to instruct him how to put his testicles inside of himself. And you just, there's just a lot of kind of him going like, and then tomorrow's like, like, you just got to, Tomorrow's like, you just got to bend over like this and just do this. And then she goes, you got to do a demi plie to really get them up there. Mm-hmm. And I just, oof. Okay, Zan comes up with a name for herself, Family Bronte, which is really good. Did you like any of the ones that Kate was workshopping? What, Femi what Lovato? <laughs> Femi Collins? 
<laughs> really stupid. I gotta say, Family Bronte though is so good because it goes with Kate Kate Butch and she feels like a Family Bronte, and yeah. that's just really good. It was yeah, I, I I was really it made me really impressed with Zan if she did come up with that on the spot. I was like, that is that's fantastic. Now, at this point, I was nervous about Michael's look for Peter because at this yeah. it kind of looked a bit like Britney on the circus tour meets Cheryl fight for this love, but really <laughs> awful. So I was like, oh, no, what's this going to be? So that was just my feeling at this stage of the, yeah, of the episode. Yeah, because Peter's wearing it, but like with jeans underneath <laughs> and like his, his, his day clothes. Yeah, and it just without the full get up, that outfit. Yeah, you're right. It had kind of a a circus leader kind of majorette vibe that I was a little like, uh Oh, like yeah. a, almost like a toy soldier nutcracker kind of look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we've got Rodrigo being like pulled into a corset that looks incredibly severe. Yeah. And then Michael used a term that I've never heard before is uh, uh, watching, watching Peter do his walk. And he says, he's like, Peter's walk. You couldn't catch a pig in a passage. I wrote down the exact same phrase because I was like, what? Couldn't catch a pig in a passage. Because I guess, right, if you're in like a, a little alleyway and a pig was running down, that's easier to catch the pig than on a field, right? Yes, there's definitely, there's a clear logic to it. But I guess how you got yourself into the, I have to capture this pig and I'm going to do it in an alleyway is really where the questions come about. Oh. Does it feel like an everyday activity that everyone's doing? Speaking of pigs... I really hope when I go home for Christmas, my aunt does little sausages wrapped in bacon with like a, a honey Dijon glaze. Oh, mm. gorgeous. How do you like feel about pig? that? I like a pig in a blanket, actually, even though I'm not a huge fan of meat. There's something something kind of familiar about it that I, I it just bypasses all of my issues. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that taste. Yeah, in fact, <laughs> I, might, I, might, I might WhatsApp my Auntie G, Auntie Jillian, and make sure she gets, you know, some in advance, you know. It's the next day, right? Yes, elimination day. Rodrigo's wearing a lovely pair of orange slacks. Just wanted to talk about that. Oh, and we just, okay. Yeah, then we kind of, it's going to be everyone kind of dragging up. It's the big day. The beard's come off. Who cares? He's adorable. Great. How do you feel about, I know you know you and producer really love Ginger, but how do you feel about Ginger's laugh? He's got a real... Oh, I really like it. A maniac, ma- man- maniacal, how do you pronounce that? Maniacal. Maniacal laugh. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. it yeah. It's also kind of a bit like... <laughs> it's a little like... It's not like a cackle. It's mm. kind of a restrained maniacal laugh, which I like. Then we get the main meat in this section as Peter's talking mm. about... Uh, Peter's with Michael Maruli. He's talking about his generation. Oof, this is a pretty wide-ranging, isn't it? This is a lot covers everything. So he talks about growing up, the only unapologetic apologetic gay man he ever saw was Quentin Crisp on a TV show. And he was watching with his dad and his dad said, what a brave man. And so that made Peter feel better about coming out. So then he came out to his parents who were very supportive, but then they called the doctor on him. Yeah. And um, this was 1972. And the doctor tried to diagnose his homosexuality by asking him to put his arms out. And if his wrists flopped, that meant he was gay, but his wrists didn't flop. So anyway, all of that was going on. And then Peter was like, mm, I think I am a homosexual. And his parents were like, okay, we love you, which was great. Yeah. And with that whole story, I was thinking, it, it sounds like as, as horrific as that was, particularly that's like the NHS. Yeah. So like that's publicly funded non-medical torture. But it also does sound like, I don't want to give his parents a pass to do a lot of peas, but... His parents were clearly loved him and just thought, we better yeah. just check in with the local, with the GP. 
yeah, I, I, I feel like he, there's so many horror stories of people of any age coming out to their parents, but the, the, the way he kind of told those stories, his parents were more victims of the, it was more that he was a victim of the age that he grew up in rather than his parents being. Agreed. Because it, it wasn't like they took him to, it wasn't like conversion. I think they just truly didn't understand. I don't know. I know what you mean. It's, it feels weird to defend his his parents, but I just think there was, because I felt like he made a point of telling that Quentin Crisp story to kind of say, actually, I was very lucky to have supportive parents. So yes. it was it was very sweet. And then, and then yeah, he they I think Michael asks him about his work on the switchboard and he basically says that he started doing it, it was like around the, kind of time of the AIDS crisis, right? And yeah. it was so sad. He talked about how he lost two partners to yeah, AIDS first, and friends. His first and second boyfriend died. So he yeah. that's what pushed him to join the switchboard. And he said that condoms saved his life. And then I, I thought, I wonder if this is the moment when Michael Maruli teaches Peter about prep. <laughs> yeah, there was, a, uh, there, was, there was a little prep kind of hanging in the air in that moment. But I thought, well, let's just let that go. Yeah. <laughs> I, then, I have to admit, I did, I did tear up a little bit during this story. Oh, totally. Yeah. And then particularly when Peter said that just being on Drag Race is the best day of his life. Yeah, that's oh. so sweet. Uh, then I wrote, Dee Dee and Jamie don't get any emotional scenes. <laughs> yeah, I wrote, Dee Dee, Dee Dee and Jamie speak in the same deadpan way. <laughs> yeah, just about nothing. Yeah. I was like, let's just skip over them. And um, then uh, a little bit with uh, Gemma, she uh, she talks about, because Tamara's saying like, oh, do you like drag? Like, how did you get to, you know, be into drag? And she says that her girlfriend loves drag and that her girlfriend's kind of love of drag and, and really brought her into kind of the scene. And they say they're representing black queer women, like in kind of queer spaces. And Tamara simply just says, yes, bitch. Which is <laughs> <laughs> incredibly disrespectful and really supportive. Lovely. So then there was just a really quick bit before we got to the main stage where kind of Jamie's face was revealed to him. And I thought that he looked beautiful and kind of severe, like almost uh, he looked kind of like Morgan McMichaels. Okay. Okay. Scottish gal. Let's get to that main stage. Okay. So Rue's wearing kind of a yellow, gray and white confection of a dress i don't yeah. know how else to explain it i've written rue is in an optical illusion of a dress and then i wrote it could have been made in a challenge <laughs> a little a little rough and tumble that one but you know yeah. we always say she uh she saves her most experimental stuff for the uk mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh we're gonna obviously the guest judge is the high priestess daphne guinness yeah uh, i've just written a bride here. of frankenstein look I've, again i've just written here fuck she's posh yeah, she's just like, oh, hello, Rue. I, I, yeah, I, it was great. <laughs> it's funny hearing her later when she tries to do puns. Yes. She's like, <laughs> she's like, I'd leave that on the runway. And then, then some or whatever. Like, she's just, everything's yeah. so posh. Very stiff. <laughs> yeah. Also, I, I think she's the most gorgeous, like, ageless creature as well. Couldn't, couldn't tell you. So first up, we have uh, Licious and Licious. So this is Dee and Jamie. So they are in a sort of 80s office, Christmas office party that they've crashed, themed look, a lot of velvet and gold. I've written, it's fun and fine. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a costumey Joan Collins, dynasty dynasty kind of look. And I thought that BB-licious looks really good. Yes. It is amazing that Jamie, that the guy, is a super hot guy, and Didi's managed to turn him into, again, a kind of like, aging pantomime dame yeah like a quite a harsh 
a harsh but striking woman. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's because his face wasn't pretty. It was handsome. It was masculine. It, it, it was, you know, that like you, that's quite like a, a different a different kind of transformation. So next up is uh, Kate Butch and Family Bronte doing a pink ladies look. I thought Family Bronte, I liked seeing Kate's makeup on her because it was actually a really good rendition of Kate's makeup because she even made that joke herself that she had to actually, she had like a beautiful canvas that she'd have to kind of unbeautify to look like Kate. She made that joke about herself and I thought she had actually done that. Like it looked like her makeup on Zan's face. I thought it looked good and I liked the wig actually. I liked her wig way more than I liked uh, Kate's wig. Yes, agreed, agreed, agreed. Next up, we had Michael, Michael Maruli and Giza Manuli. Is that right? Yeah, jeez. Okay. I made a point of writing down those names because I couldn't, I couldn't keep it all straight. Oh, yeah. So yeah, Mike, they, Mike and Mike and Geezer. Yeah, so they they look fantastic. So it, the the actual full realized look of this is gorgeous. Yeah. Are they both redheads or is it just? Geezer that's redhead. So. I can't remember, but they both look great. They're very matching. I've yeah. written Geezer's face isn't quite there, but you know, she's an older gal. Yeah. But the matching really works. There's a lovely moment where they both stand and hold their hands to their hearts and think about the people that Geezer has lost. Yeah. And at that moment, Graham just says, Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that they're kind of the 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 way that they'd done it where they were walking very slow and Michael was like really holding, holding her hand. And it was very it was supportive and tender, but not patronizing. It was like celebratory. It was really a perfect kind of perfect moment. Yeah. And Michael looked really good. I thought. Perfect moment. Marty, Marty McCutcheon. Yeah. <laughs> I cut myself singing that from the last episode. So the <laughs> listeners don't know that we've referenced Marty McCutcheon two weeks in a row. This is my moment. This is my perfect moment with you. What do you think about that? I'll be cutting that again. No, don't cut that. <laughs> we could every week. We've got to get a perfect moment, uh, Martin McCutcheon uh, reference. Speaking of Mexico City, has anyone talked to you about it today? Uh, no, yesterday. Okay, well, great. Well, now you have one today. <laughs> Fraser's going through a period where every day uh, Mexico City comes up as a topic. This is like, do you remember when we were in Vegas for your birthday years ago and we had every day what we called a Momsen moment where every yes. day for some reason Taylor Momsen would come up? Yes. Yeah, no, Mexico City is very much my Momsen moment for now. It's <laughs> infuriating. Your Mexico moment. <laughs> so who's next? It is Tiny T and Giant G. That's Tamara and her and Gemma. Gemma. Yeah, they're they're very funny. Uh, they're wearing a Chanel look. I've written that Giant G kind of looks like that villain from The Incredibles, a movie I've never seen. <laughs> yes, I know who you mean. She's that. Uh, I don't. I think she might actually be a good guy. I don't think she's a villain, but I know who you mean. Yeah, All she's right. called. Shit, I've heard her name because I've also never seen The Incredibles, but I know exactly what you're referencing. Future Fraser, Edna Mode. Oh, and uh, Daphne says they go to. Looks like we use the same hairdresser. <laughs> I was like, you oh, you're, that, a, you're a card. You know that Daphne's never washed her own hair, ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to, I, don't, I felt like I couldn't even conceive what her hair is. Is that, was that her hair on her head? I don't know. Yeah. 
Or what she might look like in real life. Yeah, uh, yeah, not a clue. Love Much it. like when we went to the, the Slater concert the other week, and after being there for an hour and a half, we we're like, still no clue what that what that performer looks like. We Couldn't just, get a handle on on her face or anything. No, not the <laughs> and then finally, we have uh, Ginger and Quaver Johnson. Oh, I wrote Quaver. Okay, yeah, great. It's Quaver, like the uh, Portuguese ginger. Got it. Where'd you sound on Quavers, the crisps? Oh, I love Quavers. Dead cheesy. Do you like the cheesy one? See, I love, a, obviously, you know me, love a prawn cocktail quaver. Yeah. Salt and vinegar quaver. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't like them as much as I like squares. Oh, my God. So, a salt yeah. and vinegar square. That'll yeah. that'll strip the lining of your mouth for days, eating yeah. a packet of salt and vinegar squares. The intensity of a square. What about a disco? Oh, yeah, I like a disco too, but I, I think a, a square, like, because you know squares always used to come with chipsticks and frazzles. They're oh, like yes. the trio that would come together. That. Yeah, they were my preferred trio, those ones. And again, really a lot of like intense salts and vinegars to really lacerate and kind of dry out your mouth. I love yeah. it. I'm well, actually love- like salivating talking about it. <laughs> oh yeah, so Ginger and Quaver, as we're now going to go with, they're wearing like a 60s, they're both wearing a 60s orange and pink look. It's very like, it's it's very striking. I think Graham yeah. says later, it's almost as if they had a filter over them. It's that yeah. kind of strong. The, col- the color scheme is, is really striking. And Ginger's in kind of a, like a flared kind of jumpsuit. And Hueva uh, is in a kind of a mini dress, mm-hmm. which we will note is not the same outfit. What's up? What do you mean? No, I'm just saying when it comes to a certain conversation later in the episode, they're not wearing the same outfit. All right, okay, we'll get there. Shall we do critiques? I, as usual, I've combined them on stage yeah. and off stage. So DD and BB. Uh, oh yeah, here I've written BB's teeth. So there we go. Yeah. Um, they all say that it's got a bit of like a, a New Jersey, older Joan Collins thing. Mm. Um, they're definitely the sort of characters where you would see them at a wedding where the police would be called. Yeah. Um, also <laughs> say they're very mob wives-esque, agreed. Uh, Rue does a whole bit about the fact that Dee Dee took the smaller breastplate, which is very kind of her, making her the Mother Teresa of breastplates. Yeah, yeah and they, uh, Rue says they had some proportion issues. And this is when uh, Michelle says a million times that the transfer- transformation was amazing, but there was no drag family resemblance. Right. And did you notice when they're talking on stage and the gals are backstage, Dee Dee is practicing the lip sync and she's stretching a split? Yes, that, that was one of the, it was one of the most beautiful shots. Uh, Teddy came over as I was watching that on Friday and me and Teddy were like cracking up on that one shot. It's almost as good as that shot of Ellie Diamond dressed as a seagull learning the lyrics. Do you remember that? <laughs> um, at this point, Daphne Guinness says, they looked like they were in The Sopranos actually. So posh. Thanks, Daff. Thanks, Dad <laughs> Daff. Okay, who have we got next? Uh, Kate. So they were saying, they all kind of agreed that they're really proud of Kate because she's come so far. But Michelle was saying, the family resemblance wasn't there. Yeah. Okay. One of them said, it was less of a resemblance. It's more like they're friends or maybe like they knew each other. <laughs> they knew e- Yeah, they knew each other. But they, they loved uh, Zan or kind of uh, whatever her drag name was. Uh, they loved their story together and they... Because I thought actually, obviously Peter was kind of the star of of telling his story, but I felt like Zan, she was a really good for TV. She was so clear and kind of confident and it's because she's American <laughs> or Canadian, whatever she is. Uh, there's just that kind of, she had that kind of gloss of being on television and speaking like that, you know? 
100%. Next up, Michael and Geezer. I just wrote, they got to win. They are, they have the vibe of a mother and daughter who are best friends. Yeah. Uh, they all loved the fact that Michael was wearing less makeup in his face, probably because he'd run out of time because he's dealing with Geezer. But yeah. uh, they're all saying that Michael never looked better. And then Graham does like a whole speech about just the community at this point. Yeah. Saying a magical moment. Very special. Yeah, they all kind of agree it was very moving. Then we got Tiny T and Giant G. Essentially, they're saying that their hair and chemistry were the things that were strongest about them. That the hair was super great and fun and matching, and they both had chemistry and energy to match each other. It's fun. Uh, Someone comments that the... Michelle, that the outfits are slightly off the the rack, but of mm. course Daphne, she knows Carl Lagerfeld, so a new Carl Lagerfeld, Carl, Carl would love to love this actually. Uh, <laughs> essentially, it wasn't the greatest thing in the world, but very enjoyable, and they really are impressed the fact that Giant G managed to match Tamara's energy and attitude, yeah. which is a mean feat. Yeah, Rue literally said, we always fall in love with Tamara, but getting a partner that matched her energy was great. And that kind of, again, confirming Rue being like, yo, Tamara can do whatever and I'm always going to put her through. <laughs> Who are the final ones? Uh, Ginger and Quaver. And yeah, they, you said, uh, Graham said it was like looking at their, looking at them through a filter because it popped. Uh, Daphne said it was like watching a 60s caper. Because actually we didn't mention that during their runway moment out of Ginger's handbag, she pulled out two... Uh, phones on cords and the two of them had like a fake conversation like they were talking on the phone yeah someone was i think someone was like i've no idea what the, the phone bit was about or what they were, that was about but it was great so yeah it really it, it it made no sense but it also made perfect sense at the same time i was like yeah 60s women on the phone yeah <laughs> i love this well and, also when rue was asking quaver about you know how did you feel and quaver's like oh i felt like the cheese the cheese of the party oh yeah he was like cheese at a party was a fondue party. Great. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And yeah, Rue, uh, when they're not, when they're off stage, Rue talks about kind of Ginger's trajectory on the show, saying that she's really like, she's yeah. flying up there. Uh, wait, so did Ginger make these outfits? Yes. So I, I they obviously, they, she didn't make them in the workroom. She, I think her and Didi both openly said that they made those outfits for the makeover challenge. Like they made those outfits, whereas obviously most it's like not every one of the Rue girls now makes their own stuff for, for drag oh, race it's like right, the, right, the right. package that they come with so so they made they, were, they made these outfits at home yes and then Got they it. they fit them to whoever they get for the makeover challenge that's kind of the 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 standard for drag race now everyone knows they have to have a a family resemblance look so the, the reason i got so on my high horse about family resemblance i guess is just that it is it's notoriously very kind of arbitrary the way that they praise it or don't praise it so it's like saying dd didn't have family resemblance but saying that ginger does where whereas like ginger had different hair different hair and a completely different outfit on to her partner in the same pattern yes but so did dd they it was the exact same difference they just for some reason instead of just saying we just didn't like it as much they have to like hang their hat on this family resemblance thing that it's all very like and it happens every season that the family resemblance thing ebbs and flows depending on who they actually want to go through. Oh, I see. I see. Do you know what I'm going to get? I'm going to get a pink plastic flute with some bubbles in it. Oh, I know. Oh, the bubbles. A bit of fizz. <laughs> I feel like some of it looked like lemonade as well. <laughs> also, have you ever tried to drink champagne? This is not champagne. Have you ever tried to drink champagne through a straw? It's yes. pretty much not possible. I can't, 
a, a sparkling wine of any kind through a straw is pretty is pretty anything very overly carbonated like that it just doesn't work yeah but i'm guessing it was probably flat by the time they got back there yeah flat and warm so off the drop backstage Didi, um they're all saying right who do you think it's going to be in the bottom and Didi's like i think it's quite obvious it's me and kate yeah because they both to your point they both got family resemblance comments as in there wasn't enough of a family resemblance yeah, and, and Didi, I think she has a really good attitude about it. She basically is saying, she's like, yeah, I know. She's like, I should have done more. So I, I understand. Like there's yeah. none of that kind of young defensiveness that sometimes happens and at Tamara, this point in Drag Race. And Tamara just says, just don't be shit next time. Don't be time. shit next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at one point, Michael tells Giza to cross her legs because she says, you've got your minge hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> it, in general, I thought this was just a very sweet untucked. That I think that they've always been heading in this direction. This cast seemed to really like each other anyway, but yeah. it kind of with the makeover people they just were everyone was even extra sweet and i thought you know they all kind of each individually talk about how it felt and what it meant to them um and then michael just wraps it up just puts a perfect bow on the end and is just like does a cheers to them does it like it's a really, mini speech and a cheers yeah, yeah and i've written she really is like the mature one isn't she she, she really is she's the kind of like the kind of guiding the ship <laughs> so let's get some results what's yeah. going on so the winner of the challenge is Michael Maruli. Yeah, Peter uh, so, is so excited. You notice yeah. backstage, Peter's lost a nail. And <laughs> yeah, Peter just that. says at one point, oh, Michael was so kind to me. Oh. Yeah, so sweet. And they all seem to really like Peter, the, the rest of the makeover people as well. They were so happy for him. And so he wins and then safe is Ginger and Tamara, which means that Kate and Dee Dee are indeed lip syncing to this hell. Mm-hmm. This is a yeah. fun lip sync song. This is a yeah. perfect lip sync song. Also, the message is this held by Rina Sawayama, and the whole message is about like people hate me just for being me and just for yeah. existing. Um, now, this lip sync, I kind of wrote that they were they were both equally good. I do think yes. Dee pulled more tricks out of the bag, but I was impressed yes. with Kate here. Yeah, I think that it was just that. Unfortunately for Kate, it was that Dee Dee, if Dee Dee had just done tricks then it would have been probably Kate because she was funny. But Dee Dee kind of was funny and pulled tricks, whereas Kate was funny. I've been I've been driving myself crazy today because I watched this episode and because I don't know the lyrics to this song and I just keep singing, this hell is giving me hell. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not the lyric. And it's just that thing going around and around in my head and I can't like, I can't, I can't think of the right lyrics. I but love- yeah, I just think, I think Dee Dee just kind of out, outdid it with humor and with tricks and it was really she was really impressive she was really really fun she did i really love the bit in the song where it goes oh my god you've made me forget all the lyrics now got my invitation to eternal damnation great lyrics yeah and kate Kate, like pulled out a fake invitation like she aired she mimed yeah getting her invitation to hell did you see what kate did well i've written air guitar uh uh-oh paging listener george northy because we know george's theory as soon as someone does an air guitar they are they're 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 mints they're dead it's a chop yeah (laughs) speaking of george northy i i got some intel from the uk from andrew saying that george had tried uh tried a crumpet for the first time at his dad's house and I'm really excited to get George's feedback on that crumpet. I will be asking him to send us some audio feedback on that for the That'd regular be great. episode. If, in fact, if we could get some just, you know, some some voice notes in general from George in the UK, just his take on things, <laughs> like what's baffled him so far. I remember yeah. years ago when he was visiting in the UK and he got really confused at ATMs, aka cash machines, because you know how 
like quite often here you put your card and you swipe it out straight away yes he was getting confused because the card got completely like sucked in oh yeah it disappears from sight yeah, yeah no you never it never disappears from your sight here does it yeah. you can always grab it <laughs> oh yeah so kate does do a funny ending right at the the end of the song but unfortunately it's going to be dd shanting and staying and kate shashing and awaying yeah i feel like in the grand scheme of things maybe kate should have had another week over Didi, but Didi did such a good job that it's kind of undeniable, you yeah. know? Also, great, great ending when after Kate's been eliminated and she very quickly says, you can't fire me, I quit. Oh, fuck, too slow. Yeah, she's so funny. She's she's a class act. I love that her. That is really funny. Yeah. And then next week is going to be the comedy roast, which makes me very worried for Didi. Yeah, comedy roast. Yeah. She ain't funny. <laughs> no. And also, the rest, you know, the rest of them I'm... are going to be really good at that, but she's going to be, obviously, Tamara is going to be frenetic, but probably very funny. Yeah. And oh, poor Dee Dee. She's going to be, Tamara's going to be bad, and that's what's going to make her funny because she's going to yeah. find herself being bad funny. We've also yeah. got something else unfunny happening, and that looks like Vicky's back. Yeah, Vicky's back in a what I now in my head have turned into a, maybe a Beyonce Renaissance audience member look, just accusing someone of being not a nice person. Yeah. Uh-oh. Like, well, there Vicky, we go. Vicky, Vicky. Let's well, hope she can get a, a pasty pun in there as well. Really We've only got two more episodes. So I'm guessing that means Didi's going to go next week. So that yeah, leaves we'll us with a... Ginger, Tamara, Michael. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great top three. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for listening. Please just, you know, drop us a line on the Instagram and the email, all the different things. Okay. At some point you will be getting a regular You're Welcome America, You Are Prime episode. Well, just when we've got time, okay? Maybe I'm thinking, let's just do some admin <laughs> on air. Next weekend's not good for me, but the weekend after? Uh, yeah, we'll work. Like, like, we'll, we'll deal with that offline. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And, and do join us for the next episode. Do join us for the next episode. You're welcome. But goodbye. Goodbye, Daphne Guinness. You are right up my street. Oh, you can't make me choose. I go by Toyota. Sponsors T4. Fuck me, Lee Ryan's 13. My name. I remember we couldn't remember the word for table.